You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Dan Meitschek. I help companies connect with the best tech talent, and I'm your host. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by David, Anna and Rasmus to discuss how important is business acumen in product. So before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. So David, do you want to kick us off? Yes, my name is David Nilsson Anini, head of product at Sariel or Sergel, I guess, a debt collections company and a credit bureau uh, acting in uh, the Nordic countries. So Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Finland. Background at uh, Dun & Bradstreet Bisnob uh, in strategy and in, in product. Fantastic. Cheers, David. And Anna, we'll come to you next. Hi, everyone. So my name is Anna. Uh, I work as a chief product officer at Waster, a startup based here in Stockholm, where we're building the next generation social gaming network. Um, prior to that, I spent a few years at uh, King working across a few different games, and I started my career at Accenture uh, doing consulting there. Really happy to be here. Cheers, Anna. And last but not least, we'll come to you, Rasmus. Yes, uh, my name is uh, Rasmus Peterson. I work as a product director at a company called Snow Software. Um, we are world leading in an area called software asset management, which is basically around keeping track of your software costs and your cloud costs and everything, IT aspects of, of medium and large corporations. Um, my background is um, I worked 10 years as a product ma- global product manager and product director at uh, Toby, which is uh, uh, an interesting company that I followed from around 100 employees to 1,000 employees during those 10 years. So um, that was kind of my main uh, background in product management. Fantastic. Cheers, guys. So now that we've established a bit of context to each of you, we'll move on to the topic in focus. So you all have a question or subtopic on how important is business acumen and product. And as usual, I'll work away around the room um asking each of you to pose your questions and the reasons behind it so everyone have the opportunity to speak and give your take on the situation but first we'll go with a bit more of a broader introduction to business acumen so what does business acumen mean to all of you yeah should i should i start um i I would say to me it's about being able to to discern uh, the difference between nice to have and, and need to have, so kind of the things that move the needle in terms of, of revenue and cost that actually matter uh, versus the things that are, you know, kind of maybe nice or, or not so nice, but uh, that don't really make a difference. Uh, so that's what I kind of put into that uh, that term. I can keep uh, adding on to that. Uh, I agree with what you're uh, saying, David. Um, for me, that also comes with a way of like how to navigate your way around the company landscape. Like how do you find the right level of like, professionalism and how you make things, like get things done? Uh, what are the different ways you hold conversations? How are the different ways that you uh, make decisions and what do you base them on? Yeah, I think I agree with you guys. I think that, I mean, from me, what I've seen um, in, in my years in product management is is the importance of business acumen. I mean, to kind of, I, I would probably also put in the part of understanding the customer and the customer needs, which is, you know, my, you said that it's not part of business or not, but that's, that's an interesting point that we could discuss as well. You know, do you also take in the full product uh, or the customer needs inside business acumen or not? But I think it's, it's, it's really an integral part and you're not really doing product management 
then you're more like a product owner if you're only doing the stuff that is close to the R&D team and not being out there meeting the client and understanding the business they have and what you can do to help them in their daily life. So I think it's an essential part uh, of this whole topic that sometimes I think is undervalued and underinvested invested in product management. Yeah, I agree with you, Rasmus, there on your last point um, about it maybe not being talked about so much in product. I mean, there, there's a lot about to talk about you know, customer needs and you know, features being used or not used, et cetera. And that's all very relevant, of course, but but it's uh, we're, we're trying to achieve something, uh, which is profit at the end of the day. And uh, and, and that obviously needs to be a, a key component of, of doing product, doing product work, product management, et cetera. Yeah, and I, I, I've, I've sometimes I, I feel that, you know, some, let's say, development teams tend to be more focused on on creative stuff and building stuff. And I, I, I then I used often the, the, the kind of, explanation of say look guys if we don't make enough money on the stuff we sell we can't do new cool projects right we can't develop cool new products so we need to 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 have a, a profitable business to do to make good decisions in order to make new cool things so i think that you know certain people not necessarily always are very motivated by money or or making good business but you can explain it that way that really helps but but it's sometimes almost frowned upon in certain elements in, in, in I think, tech companies. Fantastic. Cheers, guys. Um, so we'll move on to David's question first. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. So basically, my question is, uh, how do you guys, how do your teams work with identifying uh, what actually moves the needle in terms of, of business value? You know, what, what really matters to, to your customers, etc. How do you work with that, discerning between that and, and you know, less valuable features or products, etc.? Uh, how do you keep focused on on what actually matters? Yeah, I can start start talking around that. So right now, since uh, I'm in a startup, we're a sm pretty small company, uh, only 25 people. Uh, what's really important for us in understanding what moves the needle is talking about like the why and what we want to get out of that. Uh, specifically, being like an early stage company, um, it might not always be just like one data point that we're looking at. Uh, it it could be different things that are um, important so for us it's very much about going to like what's the why what are the things that we want to achieve and then really making sure that that is fully communicated through everyone who works at the company uh, everyone who ships into that so they can help also evaluating are we doing the right things and so we can also pick up as quickly as possible uh, do we see the tendencies that we're going in the right direction uh, so the in the nature where we are right now it's the why very much so and of course how do we measure along the way that we're getting there uh, which is probably similar to you guys even if you're like bigger uh, organizations than i am right now so yeah yeah it's 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 an it's an important question because i'm 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 in a fairly big company relatively speaking we're around thousand people and i mean obviously we on every quarter we go and look at the product uh, profitability and we have a lot of the the the, the you know uh, executive leadership team in in that meeting and all of that stuff and and we look at how how we have sold uh, during the last quarter or, or or you know during the last year my challenge has always been with connecting product management to sales numbers is that i always believe that that effect has a fairly long um time to to take an effect in the sales numbers right when you do stuff in in, in product management um a development projects um they tend to take a longer time before i i 
I would believe that they do affect the sales numbers. So, so I think the sales numbers are really important. But, but, but I've always tried, and 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 in different companies, I've tried to kind of do different things in that. You know, how can we measure, how can we estimate, how can we guess what the, the business value of what we're doing will be? And that is really interesting. And also, at least from my perspective, really difficult. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't, I think that there are some stuff we do, but it's still quite a lot of guesswork in my mind. Yeah. And, and uh, from my point of view, I mean, I, I agree with you, Rastus, that it's uh, it's really difficult. I mean, obviously, I think that that's that's why it's an interesting topic from, from my point of view. Uh, I think, you know, you have all the maybe the, you know, the lead product management kind of uh, methodologies, et cetera, you can use uh, in B2B and especially selling to enterprise, et cetera. It can be tricky because the the feedback loop isn't so short, just like you're saying, it takes a while to get that kind of feedback. It's not like you're releasing a new feature in a mobile app to consumers and you get the feedback the next day. Uh, usually the, the feedback loop is a lot longer. So, 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 so there is, you know, some sort of guesswork obviously involved as well, building hypotheses, et cetera. And I think for me, I've, I think, I mean, important to, to talk to teams about this and, and to try to get them to think about how something will translate to either you know, lower costs or higher revenue to have that kind of mindset instead of just thinking about something that, you know, being a good feature, a good product, just in general, just being more focused on actually how, how do you see this translating to higher revenues or how do you see this translating to lower costs? What's the actual mechanism? Just getting teams to think about that in that way, because I get a lot of, I hear a lot of like, we're never going to, you know, make to, to, to have a business case on this with a positive ROI, but it's a really, really good feature. And that, that kind of makes me uh, stop and think a while, you know, if, if it doesn't, if we don't believe at the outset that, that the business case is even going to have a positive ROI, then, then why are we doing it in the first place? I, I, I fully understand that it's super difficult sometimes with some types of features and products to, to calculate kind of the, the result of, of, of adding those, but, but, uh, if we believe already from the start that it's never going to add up, then then we should probably be doing something else. Have Have you felt with with dev teams that you work with that they they sometimes or some people or or just teams in general are more focused on on building the, the kind of the art of coding rather than than to put it bluntly and to be extreme the the, the making money because I've I've you know I, I'm exaggerating for effect but that's a feeling I've had in in certain interaction with with dev teams in in different countries. So you just to iterate to make sure I understand your question. So it's more like focusing on getting the code really really nice or like technically working rather than focusing on like is this making money in the end. Correct. Or, or I mean I mean a step in the be between could be like just making you know you say i'm not even interested in well they're not saying that but i'm feeling that they're not interested in even solving a problem for the client they're more interested in the technical uh intellectual challenge of actually making the thing work right yeah uh, i see what you get and uh, yeah i've seen pieces like that uh in the past even though it's maybe different circumstances um, I think it's a fun challenge to be in, like where you have people that are super dedicated on solving like the best solution uh, when it comes to technical performance or building the best code. Uh, what I try to do there is also to connect it somewhat what, okay, but if we're going to do this way, how can we then make sure that whatever comes out in the end really shows a purpose? And if you can find that balance and be like, okay, we did, we did this, we did these really cool improvements, this is what it led to then we can keep that rolling. Uh, so for me, it's a little bit of a give and take. Like if you say that, okay, we can try this out, you can get a little more doing that, but then let's make sure that it actually 
results in something that's better uh, for the customers or for, for the business and finding that balance, like a little bit of a pendulum uh, going forth and back. Um, it might not always be that you have a situation where that's feasible, uh, but that is something I've tried in the past, uh, which has worked quite well. Yeah, and I, I think I've seen that on, on a couple of occasions, uh, what you're talking about. And I, I would say it's usually a, a, a failure on the part, on our part, on the product part. I mean, it, it's kind of up to us to be, I guess, the link to some extent between customers and the dev teams, right? So I find that if you get developers really involved in understanding business value and customer value and, and you know, bringing them to meetings with customers, et cetera, et cetera, getting them involved in, in customer pains, understanding that and understanding how they can help. I, I find that usually people are very excited about that, uh, but unless we kind of do that part, uh, I think there's a, there's a bigger risk of just, okay, I'll just skip that part and just, you know, have fun coding basically. So, so it's really up to us, I think, to a large extent to, to make that happen. Yeah. And I, I do agree. And I think that, that that's a challenge that I've seen in many places where I usually call say that I've seen the POs or PMs getting stuck, what I call it, in the knee of the development team. So they get so internally focused because there's so much asked for them and there's so much need for them to give direction inside of the team that they actually have a challenge themselves going out to the customer and meeting the customer, talking to the customer, not a, let alone getting the, some of the, you know, important devs to go out and meet customers. So, so I think it, it's something you just have to consistently remind yourself and the team on to not get stuck, but that's why business, uh, you know, business mindedness or thinking in business uh, areas for a PM is so important because you so easily kind of drop down into the R&D part and that becomes your whole world. And then I, from my perspective, you're not really doing your job. Then you're not a product manager. You are like almost more like a project leader or a scrum master or whatever internal role you want to call it. Right? Can I ask you a follow-up question, uh, Rasmus? Um, I'm curious and if you have any examples on when you said that you're talking to the teams and trying to get some of the like developers, like key developers going out and talking to the cost customers and understanding them more. Um, do you have any examples of that, how, how that has worked for you in the past? Well, I, I usually take an example I had from Toby, which is a little bit extreme, but I think it, 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 it illustrates the, what, what can happen if you get them out there. So we, um, and this was actually not uh, inside the area where I was working was a client because I was working at, at Toby, then they make eye tracking system and, and, and eye tracking systems sometimes used for usability testing uh, to figure out like how a web store or, a, you know, e-commerce site would work optimally. And we went out to, to one of our customer sites where we're doing, you know, uh, usability testing on an e-commerce site in, in Holland. And the lead developer for that site was inside the usability testing uh, studio. And they had done usability testing with eye tracking on eight people. And nobody has managed to use the e-commerce site to buy the camera. I think it was a camera store. Um, and 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 the, the, the lead developer was complaining just to say, well, they're all idiots. Why, why have you recruited in idiots to test my e-commerce sites? They don't understand. This is the best site in the world. I built it myself. It's perfect. I've used all of the best, the best in class theories to build this. And we said, okay, fine. Let's continue tomorrow. And if it continues this way, maybe we can then discuss to see if we can, you know, change anything on the site. We come back the other morning. We take up the, the, the live site to continue doing the usability testing on it. And it's totally different. It doesn't look anything like the site they had yesterday. And then we turn to the lead developer sitting in a corner with the arms like this and saying, well, is everybody your 
uh, are using site or idiots. I designed the site for idiots. And very well, the site per worked perfectly. Everybody could buy the camera on it. So I think that, I don't know if he wanted to admit it, but but he, I don't know if he understood, but he changed at least, right? He changed the product to adapt to the feedback. I don't know if he understood what the problem was, or he was just trying to, you know, keep his bravado. We didn't want to lose face. I think for me, that's been one of the occasions where I really saw the value of it. Still though, um, it is one of the, the the big challenges I see in, in organizations, especially bigger organizations, when you tend to be very uh, busy all day. And I don't think people don't want to go out and meet the client. It's just that they're so busy with their everyday life. It's like these guys pushing the cart and with the, with the square wheels. And no, we don't want their own wheels because we're so busy pushing the cart, right? So again, I think it's back to your point, David. It's our job. We need to do it. Um, it's just like for me in the companies I've been, it's always been um something that it's never came easy maybe that's the point of it all it's always been a struggle which doesn't mean that it's not important it's vice versa it's even more important yeah, thanks for sharing that example yeah. fantastic cheers guys um so we'll change direction slightly and we'll come to your question next rasmus please yeah so i think we've, we've we've been a little bit almost touching this already but you know one of the things that I think is interesting, and especially since my majority or all of my experience is business to business companies, is how can you measure the business impact or the potential business impact or estimate or you know even guesstimate the business impact of a smaller or larger project you want to do uh, in terms of product development? And I, I've, I've been using things like business cases before, and I think they have a value, but the way we tend to apply business cases, the way I've seen it, it's it, it has given, it's been almost like we used the business case to validate what we wanted to do, right? Not necessarily using it for, for trying to evaluate uh, in, in a in neutral way, what we leave was the best thing. It's like, oh, we want to do this thing. Let's make a business case that's good for it, uh, if I'm honest. So so have you used other toolings or have you used other ways to evaluate that that you think has been valuable for you to try to figure this one out? And maybe there are things that are easier and, and, and simpler to do than business cases, because sometimes I've, I've had teams or myself spend weeks on business cases and it becomes almost like a, it's this uh, forever machine, right? Because oh, I can tweak it a little bit there, I can tweak it there. And suddenly they're like Excel jockeys and, and it all it all kind of deteriorates from there. So I don't know what your experiences are in, in terms of trying to figure this one out. I can share some of my background, but I mainly work from business to consumers. I'm not sure how applicable it would be uh, to your Erasmus, uh, but please chip in if you have any questions. Uh, so one way uh, we have worked with it is to do a lot of very early like, usability testing, like even bef bef before we start building something, uh, the typical traditional Google design sprints, uh, where we early on sit with the whole uh, development team, the cross-functional team, and kind of define together what are the things that we want to do, uh, and as quickly as we can get things out, uh, actually testing with the customers. Uh, even if it's just a prototype or even if it's just something on a paper where we try to validate, can, do we think that this is the right thing that we want to do for the customers? And most likely, instead of just getting uh, a yes or a no, what that has given us is new insights of what the customers actually want. And then we take that to go more and build a business case. So it's almost like using uh, prototyping and 
focus groups to get more understanding and to get a broader business case uh, to get that going. Um, not sure how applicable that would be for you. This comes more from the game, like mobile gaming background. Um, but for me, it's been extremely useful to get things out to the customers as quickly as possible before we spend too much time working on the business cases around them. So did you in connection with that kind of ask them what they believe a game like this would cost or if they would play it and by then you can calculate kind of the the, the, the commercial, you know, the, 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 the amount of ads you can connect to it or how, how did you kind of get in the more hard business side on, on that? That's that part. So what we try to do is kind of nudge them in case like how often would you like to play this or how do you see yourself playing that? Because like playtime and engagement would be the most important aspect. So it would more be like, okay, how would you engage with this? Or when would you see yourself playing that? Or what would be uh, a good reward? How What would be needed? Or would this feel make you feel good about doing something? Would this feel like good? Uh, use of your time uh, sometimes we could feel like oh yeah but if I did spend all of that work and that's all I got as a reward or that's all I got out of it I wouldn't really like that and then we can kind of see that okay this was not as strong as it potentially could have been um, uh, sorry David it just I want to mention uh, I, I look like you want to say something it goes back to this product-led growth that's really being popular now in business to business which you basically know a concept that comes from business to consumer right so so it, it is it is similar in terms of trying to get people to test stuff and, and by that way also uh, maybe have a freemium or some some type of setup yeah and just adding on I think I mean the, the, the things you're doing and I think that that's the right way to go of course the whole kind of uh, lean product kind of playbook thing uh, how you ideally prototype right uh, you bring something uh, rather simple to customers and then show it to them and, and ask them or see if they use it etc and get that kind of feedback uh, and and that's of course super good uh, that's not always super simple when you're doing more kind of complex b2b selling uh, that kind of products uh, which is to me that that that's where it gets a bit more difficult and I, I don't think there's a silver bullet for it I think use those methods when applicable that's great in other cases I would say uh, I, I think this the, the good old business case is still valid uh, but sometimes it's kind of used just like you're saying Erasmus for for kind of the wrong reasons you're trying to prove that the project that you want to do is actually viable from a commercial perspective I think We've probably all seen that. I've seen that many times. I guess that's the same for you. Uh, I think from my perspective, what you're trying to do a lot of times with business cases isn't really to arrive at what the outcome would be of something. It's to kind of see if the assumptions you have in your business case make sense. I mean, if you build a business case and you're counting on, you know, uh, the user base doubling every year for the next 15 years, you know, either that's viable or it's not, depending on what kind of market you're in, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Is it likely that we will get 50 customers on a market that has only 20 customers, et cetera, et cetera. So you're just trying to gauge your assumptions and see, you know, does this, could this actually work? Does it really make sense? And, and that's kind of one way of looking at it. So it's more like a, a, a gate, if you will, to see if it, it at all makes sense to start with. And then ideally you start breaking it down and, and trying to test pieces of it. But, it, but, but I think you're re really, that's that's correct and also i think that the conversations you have around the business case when you present it could be really valuable because you you do you, you tend to extend the team you have stakeholders in it and you get a good conversation and actually one of the most rewarding things relating to this that i ever 
did is is we actually went back because we didn't do that for everything and I, I think that was a fail that at the specific big project i did at toby one year after we had finished the, or launched the product i actually went back and and revisited the business case and look looked at how we had fared a year after we had finished it but the funny thing is that the costs were way over what we initially missed it uh, um, you know estimated them are luckily enough the 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 the, the revenue was also higher so so it was all wrong but kind of the result was right but we we actually estimated it wrong on all levels but i think that that is and that's that i think is 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 a true thing for anything we do uh, especially in product management that if you don't go back and look at the stuff you did and learn from that that is that is so important because i don't think a business case i think a business case is useful for a conversation for discussing the assumptions but also actually going back and looking at it later and saying, look, you know, what can we learn from this? And that was that was really useful, I remember. Uh, but it was, I think that the challenge with all this is we put a lot of time on the business cases and it took a lot of time to review it a year later. So it's all, a, you know, I think it's useful, but how do you do it in a smart way so you don't overspend time on it? Because that, that was what I saw in that case. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think we do too little in general, uh, at least from what I've seen in, in terms of reviewing stuff that we've done previously. We just tend to kind of move on to the next thing and the next thing, et cetera, and not really evaluate. I think that's really useful also, you know, building kind of business acumen in your teams, et cetera, is to actually go back and see what happened. I mean, we estimated this and this and what actually happened was it, you know, the costs were twice as high or three times as high or revenue turned out to be a lot higher, et cetera. I think we, we've all seen cases where, where we have surprises on both sides. Uh, but again, I think the, the business case is kind of good to identify your kind of zombies out there, uh, the kind of things that you should actually never actually try to do because it, they're kind of dead from the start we had an example like that uh where we could see right away that you know we were trying to win more customers than the market actually had etc and, and then it's pretty easy to say okay i think this is going to be tricky to 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 uh to make this work etc so it's kind of just a useful thing to do it's not going to solve all, all of your problems obviously but I, I think it's a good step to do obviously not spending too much time on it you know spend time on it in relation to how big the project is and the cost etc and not overspend on it because I, I think you've seen that as well. You kind of over model your business cases and you have a 10 year horizon, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, you start doing all of these kind of neat Excel models of, of what's going to happen. And, you know, that's not really going to, gonna. that's not where the problem lies really, right? In your modeling skills, it's other stuff that's going to de determine whether you make it or not. Uh, when you do this, this is super interesting. Uh, when you do this, like bigger business cases that you spend like weeks or months on and before taking them to the team, like what's your approach in getting the product teams uh, either like buy-in or getting comments on the business case? How does that communication happen throughout either the development or the business case or after business case has been approved and it goes to the product team? Yeah, I think to me, it's not, not about coming with a business case maybe to the team. It's rather having them be involved in drafting the business case and, and you know, having it as, as low down in a sense as possible it's not something you, you shouldn't kind of start drafting that in the in the management team and then push it down on someone that that's not the right approach in my mind it's really like we have to check everything with the people who actually know what they're talking about uh, and it's also about you know getting kind of the incentives right in, in doing it so we talked about previously about you know kind of the, the type of business cases where you're just trying to prove your your point to get to get to do a project and it's really about having the right incentives when you do it. You, you, you want to align incentives 
with, uh, you know, from the product team up to what actually matters for, for the business as a whole. Uh, so making sure they're not like, I'm trying to get this done because I think it's fun. Uh, it's not going to be profitable for the company. Uh, you want to get get away from that and make sure it kind of all aligns. So, um, yeah, get, getting teams aligned with with the business goals as as a, as a whole, I would say. Yeah, I, f- I fully agree that the owner should be the product manager. Then, depending on how big or small your organization will be, I mean, in some cases, I've seen if you start out and you're ten people, then the CPO is a PM as well, right? So, so then you do it. But but it should really be owned by the PM, uh, a product director or VP or whatever you want to call it. They they shouldn't do it. I mean they can they should be involved. Uh, uh, you know, uh, possibly as, as as just sounding board basically. But but it needs to be owned by the PM because otherwise they're not the PM, right? They should own the outcomes. They should own the product. Now depending on your structure, we are actually we are now trying to revise our product owners to be pro- product managers, and that's a that's a. That's a journey we have to take them on and they have to grow and they have to develop, but it's also difficult because then we have quite many product managers and how do we divvy up our products so they actually have responsibility areas. And that's something I just had a conversation with my uh, manager on today uh, because he's new and he's like, well, how how is this divided? And I just said, look, we, we haven't gotten to that point yet, but it's really important and we need to get to that. We haven't just, it's just something we have to, to, to get to, uh, cause it is very important, but yeah. So, so I fully agree with you on that. And thank you for clarifying that. Uh, because some, sometimes when I hear like the business case being spoken about, it more seems like something coming from a managerial level. Um, but as you're saying, like to get it successful, it's really important that you have the whole team understanding like, okay, what do we want to achieve? And all of them feeling that they can contribute from their di- different areas of expertise. Uh, so you really get this uh, empowered team to know what they're solving for and how to do that. Fantastic. Cheers, guys. Um, so we'll move on to you, Anna Lass, with your question, if that's OK. Yes. Uh, so I my question is around, like, how do you find the right level of business acumen um, in teams based on the different states of a company or the majority uh, of the teams? Uh, I would be curious to ask, like, do you have examples of teams that are really quick and business savvy or teams that have gone from like maybe a lower understanding of business and what you've done to turn them over to really become this business savvy team i, I mean um i've seen hmm. yeah it's a good question in general um and i think that we might have a little bit of a general too low business um understanding in the teams if you're speaking specifically about teams because in my mind it's it's like a couple of different levels right the pm can sometimes have a good business understanding but the team he's driving or her is driving doesn't have that i've seen cases where where actually the the, the team even have a little bit better business understanding than the pm quite unusual but that that has happened i, I think that it's about the things that that you know, you have to try to inspire them, both inspire them in terms of saying, look, this is a really big problem for the customer. Uh, if we solve this, it will make the, the life much easier for the customer. And generally, customers tend to want to pay for that. Now I'm thinking out of a business business perspective. And and also, you know, using that, I worked in a company, part of Toby is actually working with products, which is called assistive technology, which is, you know, specifically technology products for people with different types of handicaps. And then there's always this, there's certain people in the organization that are more in there to do good than to make good business. And and that really had to use different variations of the, of the theme of saying, look, 
we need to make money on this. We need to have profitable projects in order to continue to develop our products so we can help more people with their challenges in their everyday life, right? But there you see that problem accentuated when you have a, 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 almost a situation where people say, well, why should we, why should the price be so high for this product? Because it, they really need it, right? But it, it's in the end, that's the, that's, the, that's the world we live in. But it's also, if you look at it from another perspective, it's the way we, we use the money to develop new and cool things that will eventually help them more if we do the right thing. So I think that that type of thing is important. And I've used like, I've also tried to, a way to do is to, to empower them to say, look, these are the guiding stars. This is the North stars. This is the problem we want to solve. You go out and, and make a suggestion. You go out and, 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 and figure out how you want to do it. And I'll just, I'll leave you be until you come back. Well, this is the timeline on it, but, but get them to own the problem, right? It's classical things. Sometimes it works. I've seen how it fails as well. It, it, and and I, I don't have a silver bullet to say this is exactly the way you have to do it. I think you have to try different things and, and, and just see what works and what doesn't work. And, and I think it depends really on the team and the people and the culture in the company. So not very specific, but try different toolings in terms of of getting to that, I think. Yeah, and to add to that, I think it's uh, more or less, I think you're saying that as well, but it's it's a lot about mindset, I think, and uh, just to get people kind of working in the right direction. I think w way of getting there is to, to have uh, PMs and POs, et cetera, and, and developers too, to be in customer meetings, to be in sales meetings, to, uh, you know, uh, be in uh, in contractual discussions as well with customers to see what actually moves them. You know, understanding how 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 customers buy. You know, various stakeholder groups within a customer. You know, uh, decision makers and users, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, compliance, understanding the various parts uh, that uh, that drive a business decision like that, the buying decision. I think it's uh, it's a combination of, of setting kind of the right mindset, uh, but also really interacting with customers. Uh, I think it, it's hard to get too much of that in, in product in general. I think yeah. it's usually the other way around, just like you were saying before, Rasmus, with, you know, having too much stuff to do to, to, to get, go out to meet customers when it should probably be the other way around uh, a lot of times. Right. Um, so yeah, customer interaction um, and, and, and that part is, is, is super important. And then just, I think normal kind of just following the money, just look at your, look at your invoicing, look at your financials, you know, get, get the numbers from, from, from finance and have a look at that. What is actually driving revenue for this company? Uh, are we trying to, you know, increase revenues by 20% for a product that turns over 2K or for a product that turns over, you know, 200 million, uh, you, you kind of need to fo focus on where the money is coming and, and where the, you have the major uh, possibilities of improving rather than just going out there and, and kind of in general doing good stuff. I think an interesting uh, development is that we've been so much talking about solving the problems of the customer, making sure that the product is 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 easy to use, the, the rise of you know usability, use UX, that it's almost like we forgot about kind of looking at the numbers of the sales numbers behind this, right? To, to really go and, and, and have a report every month or every quarter to say, how are we actually selling in these products that are responsible for? Because, I mean, obviously, if you have an efficient development team and you're really solving the problem for the customer, well, it's highly likely that your, your revenue will be good based on that. But you need to you need to follow that as well, right? And and I think it's almost, I feel it's like a tendency to really focus on, on that soft part that's 
truly connected to the revenue, but almost forgetting forgetting it and looking at the usage numbers of the data and how much are they using this feature, but just forgetting to actually look at the revenue uh, a little bit, or or it's kind of gotten downgraded a bit. So I think this is this discussion is interesting because if anything, I feel that the the business side has maybe if you if you say that business is revenue or looking at revenue numbers or profitability numbers has maybe been a little bit more pushed out or for the benefit of just thinking about you know usage numbers or 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 you know pendo based stuff or gain site or whatever system you use yeah i think i think i agree with that i think yeah that's true in, on some occasions i think just, just something as simple as your your business model or your revenue model i mean you can have one product that's exactly identical and either you do have like one off you sell it one off or you have a recurring model and that can be uh, i mean the difference can be absolutely huge just doing a change like that where you're actually not you're not, not adding any features or anything like that you have the same product but you know you just charge for it in different ways i think that part needs to be thought about just as much as as anything else in product right uh, how do you actually maximize that yeah um, it's really interesting to hearing uh, your thoughts on this uh, another aspect that I've thought about for some time is as well that when you look, we're talking about the customer problems to solve for, um, one aspect that's been really beneficial for the teams I worked with is really making sure that the teams are part of identifying some of those issues um, that you don't come as a product leader or product manager saying, oh, we have identified this issue or we have identified this opportunity. The earlier on you can take on the team to be a part of help identifying what could that opportunity be or what could potential uh, issues be for the customers, even if it's like from talking to them, looking at recordings, uh, or even yeah, sitting down when they're using the product themselves. That has also been a good way of kind of teaching the business savviness uh, from my point of view. Um, so you even like take it one step further rather than like starting from step two, if you're following what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, you, you get to that kind of discussion or, or thinking that that the, the mini CEO or the mini company within the company, as, 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 as far as you can get it to kind of have the team take as much responsibility as possible, because, you know, the more they are involved in it, the bigger the ownership and then also they will probably feel the pain if they don't meet the deadlines or things like that so so yeah i agree on that i think that ownership is is a very strong thing um but that also means that the the, the top executives must be ready to give the the responsibility and 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 um, be ready to kind of decentralize the organization so it it goes it's a cultural thing almost i would say but, but definitely if you can do that i think that that, that has a, a huge potential and i really like what you said david in on on a, on a thing like well this actually actually is is a way to improve our product or our company without even using very little dev resources which is always the problem for all of us right we always have too little dev resources. It's like a daily discussion. But here is something that we theoretically, by just changing the business model, you know, or or actually adapting and using one business model for small customers, another one for big customers, we could actually improve our situation without having to use almost any um, uh, dev resources. So so yeah, I think that that's the point I was trying to make, and I feel that that's the thing that might we might have to go back and reiterate a little bit more in 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 PM teams going forward. Yeah. Agreed. I think yeah, a lot of this, like like you were saying before, a lot of the story has been I think about 
just growing in general uh, in some cases, right? Where, where growth is everything and, and kind of, you know, whatever kind of revenues or, or profits come later, right? And, and now maybe maybe we're entering a different paradigm now to, to some extent where, where people are actually more interested in making money again. Uh, which isn't to say that that's better than than growing, but but maybe that's also going to be more of a trigger for this type of discussion. That you know, it's it's not all about just growing. We actually need to make sure we 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 earn something in doing that. Fantastic. Cheers, guys. Uh, we'll leave it there then. So this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank David, Rasmus, and Anna for their insights into the topic. And thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, then reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at daniel.myche at evolution-nordics.com. And we'll see you next time. Cheers for listening.